Welcome to the Authentic Church Podcast with Jeff and Fawn Peterson in Orange County, California, where our mission is simply to love God, love people, and live authentic. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com. Thank you for listening. Well, good morning, church. I'm so happy to be back today for session number two of We Are at War. I had a lot of people say at the end of last week, like, what? What? No, tell us now. Like, what are you doing? So I am so excited to jump in today. But before we do, how many of you know that laughter is good medicine? Proverbs 17, 22. So let's see if we can relate to any of these. You think you can hurt my feelings? I'm an overthinker. I hurt my own feelings. The therapist, you should get a therapy dog. Me, sharing my problems to my therapy dog. Kid, I want a pinata for my birthday. Me, handing him a stick. I'm pretty sure your dad has some candy in his pockets. <laughs> Therapist, and what do we do when we are sad? Client, book the flight. No, no. My ducks are absolutely not in a row. At this point, I have no idea where my ducks even are. Can you relate? Can anybody relate? Okay. Well, now that we got that laughter out of the way, we're going to dive into series number two, and this is the strategy to win the war. But before we jump into it, I want to review what we started with last week, reminding us that there are three parts of us that everyone at some point in our life has experienced. The orphan, any betrayal in our life that broke trust, and we believe the lie, I am alone. The outcast has experienced rejection, and they believe the lie, I am powerless. It's in this season of our life when we experience rejection and not belonging that addictions are born, because it's innate that we want to belong. It's in us, and so we want to find a way to numb the pain. The widow has experienced deep loss and believes the lie, I will never find life and love again. And the widow refuses to grieve. It's just too painful. We talked about how this sets us up. It's the plan of the enemy to destroy us. But the beauty of God is that he also has a setup. And he has a setup for our freedom. And that is what I'm going to be talking with you about today. So once again, we're going to go back to the beginning. In Genesis 1-2, The word says, now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. The earth was formless and empty. But then Genesis 1 goes on to say that God divided and separated. He divided the sky and the sea, the land from the sea, the flying animals from the land animals, man from woman, and then he gave Adam a job. Not even one generation later, we have Cain and Abel, and he kills his brother. When God's order is rejected, it brings death. Death of every kind. So now we have to decide here, you and I, are we willing to face the order that we have created for our life. We've created a way 
It's actually most likely not God's way because it was either passed down from your family of origin or even your culture. And you've stepped into this order. Maybe your father was an alcoholic and it was modeled to you. Maybe your mother left your dad. Maybe your dad left the family. All of this is passed on. We want to address the order that we're living in, those rules, those beliefs, and we want to face the disruption of that order. The journey will look like this. We take our current beliefs and attachments, and we get ready for messy. It's going to get messy. Disorder is what it is. It's, it's messy. You're going to challenge your core beliefs, and you're going to name your idols all the things you turned to God, turned, turned away from God because you weren't sure you could trust him. And then we're going to reorder our life by aligning our life to the word of God, to truth, and our attachment to Christ. So today, we're going to start where we left off with Jesus coming for us, to that orphan, to the outcast, to the widow. And we're going to embark on the truth. It will not be comfortable if you've ever decided to deal with stuff. Is it nice and neat? It reminds me a lot of moving. Has anybody ever moved homes? So when you go and you decide I'm going to move, my husband and I actually thought it would be really fun to move across the country twice in one year. And so, yes, praise God, from Ventura, California, we said, we're out of here, California. See you later. We're going to the Midwest. And so we packed up our house. And I'm not kidding you. When living on the beach, things get rusty, things get dirty. And I'm like, listen, I'm not taking anything that I don't love. If it doesn't spark joy, you're not coming. So when I was packing up the bags and getting everything ready and we're moving across the country, it was pretty whittled down. Well, then we moved to Springfield, Missouri, and we were there a whole whopping 10 months. Thanks, Petersons. So they say, hey, come join the church. And we say, okay, Lord, you're calling us back to Cali. So we packed everything up again. And this time I was even tougher on it. I'm like, okay, I'm not taking anything I don't love. (laughs) This is 10 months later. And, you know, this is what God is asking us to do in our soul. He's saying, how's it going? Do you love it? Are you thriving? Is it working for you? You want to take it into the next season? Do you want to take it into your marriage? Do you want to take it into your 20s, your 30s, your 40s? No, we don't. We don't. It stops today. Because we are going to clean house. And when we clean house, we're going to take every thought, every feeling, every behavior, and we're going to say, does this work for me? Is it bringing life? If it's not, then out you're going. And by the way, Jesus is with us. But for those of you who may have some capital T trauma, like we talked about, and you feel scared and alone, Don't be afraid to reach out for a guide. There are pastors and counselors and people that are trained to walk with you through the hardest things of your life and help you make sense of it. One of the most powerful stories in the Bible is the story of Joseph. It's a perfect example of what we're talking about because he was an orphan. He was an outcast and he was a widow. Widower. (laughs) Yet God redeemed and used his life to save a nation. Imagine if he would have stayed stuck in the pit. Oh, my brothers hate me. I'm an orphan. 
I guess I'll just lay in this pit and die. Or what about when he was rescued out of the pit and he was brought to the palace, but they put him in prison? So what about being an outcast, feeling like you're in prison? Or what if you have literally been in prison? I'll just stay here. I guess this is my life. Powerless. I can do nothing here. Joseph did not do that. He believed God, and he found himself in a palace. My favorite scripture out of a thousand is Genesis 50, 20. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. And this is our story too. Every broken part of your life, God doesn't say, well, stay stuck there. He says, guess what? I've got a setup too. I have a plan for you too, and I'm going to redeem your life. You don't know what tomorrow holds. You have no idea what the future holds, but God does. And he says, don't quit. And he says, don't stay stuck. We can surrender our old stories and the pain that they brought. We get to address that order we've created. And we embark on the process of disorder. And we will be, be made new in the design that God has. The reordering of a life that he's going to use for his glory. This is your destiny. So we attach to Jesus where we lacked security, safety, and love with our parents, our upbringing, friends. We say, I'm going to attach to Jesus now. John 15 says that we are the vine, and he, we, he is the vine. No, we are the vine. We are the vine. He is the vine, and we are the branches. Yes. <laughs> he is the vine, and we are the branches. And he's saying, listen, stay attached to me. He says, abide in me. That means stay with me. Stay in me. Don't go back to the past where you can't control this stuff. Stay in me as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide, rest, stay in my love. You know what's so powerful about this? We talked last week about how Jesus became the orphan, the outcast, and the widower. He chose it for you and me so that we could know that he suffered too. But do you know what he also did in the middle of all of that pain? He was still fully present to help us. In our suffering, we can know that Jesus is our high priest. Do you know what a priest does? They come alongside you and they care and they listen to you and they remind you of who you are and who God is. And Jesus is our high priest. He came down to walk with us and talk with us. He says to you and me, tell me the story. He was also a prophet. When Jesus was on the earth, he said to everyone he met, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. He said, there's stuff in your life. You got to get it out. He lovingly came into our lives and said, don't let sin rule. Which leads us to repentance. It's his kindness that's wanting to point out to you and to me anything that isn't serving you well. 
pornography, alcohol, sexuality that's confusing. He's saying, listen, I want to bring this out because I'm a prophet over you. He's also our king, our resurrected king. And because he is our king, he's giving us keys to a kingdom. He's saying, listen, there's more to the story than you actually know. I will keep you safe, and I will protect you. You will attach to me now. And you and I, we're going to build a kingdom together. Come. He believed God in his suffering. When he knew he was going to the cross, he held steady. He believed God. And now, when we step into our healing as an orphan, as an outcast, and as a widow, we are given our God-given identity to bear the image of God. And when we, we reorder our lives to the identity that God has for us, I could, I could talk about this for 30 minutes. The orphan becomes the priest. Anybody, anybody been orphaned? I would raise two hands if I could. I have been so alone. There have been so many things in my life that I felt as well the outcast, powerless to do anything about it. But the orphan, when she heals and she believes God, she becomes the priest. She says, tell me your story. Like Isaac and I get to do. We get to say, tell us. We want to care about you. We want to be there with you. You're not alone. And the outcast, he becomes a prophet. He carries within him this knowledge that there is a kingdom waiting, but sin is going to stop you from it. So I must tell you the hard things. A good counselor needs to also be a prophet. They're not going to let you stay stuck in sin patterns and cycles that will destroy your life because they love you. A good prophet is going to call it out. Say, I see this in you. And it's not your true identity. It's not who you are. I also know who you can become. The widow. When you have suffered and you have grieved well, and you have invited God into every nook and cranny of everything you have lost this side of heaven. He says, now enter into my kingdom. You will now be a king or a queen. Because what does a king do? A king serves his people with love. And he says, I know what you need because I have suffered loss. And I know that death does not have the final word. I know I'm the king of this kingdom here on earth, and I know what it is I'm building. And it is the kingdom of God. And so right here, right now, we're going to celebrate. Come to my table. I'm going to feed you. I'm going to lavish you with love. A good king and queen host the best parties. They say, come. We are waiting for the arrival of our king here. And they know this. It's the most beautiful, redemptive work of God takes the broken parts of us, and he makes it beautiful. If you ever watch Chosen, which we love the Chosen in our family, in season three, there's a clip of Mary, and she's talking to Matthew, who, by the way, both were incredible orphans, outcasts, and widow and widower. And Mary says this, our lives are often painful, yes? 
Life is full of scarcity and lack of abundance. But then there are those times where out of nowhere, somewhere, the world expresses its longing to be whole. And suddenly, God steps in. And we are pulled out of our blindness into our redemption. We suffer with Christ, not alone, for a greater story to build the kingdom of God. And you know, you and I, we all have stories. Nearly 20 years ago, I found myself in a story that I thought, maybe I'll just stay here and make a cute little pit. (laughs) The lies I was believing as a single mom, divorced, in the church, where I was living, you didn't get divorced. I mean, you just hunkered down and bore it. I believed I was never going to be married. I would never be loved. Who would take care of my daughter? She's going to be an orphan her whole life. No father. What kind of life am I going to have? Could God really use me? This is the truth. That is what I was believing. But by the grace of God, he gave me this. He gave me a beautiful community that wrapped me up in love And he gave me a counselor that would walk me through to the truth, the other side of my feelings. The power of God's word would change my life. And I stand before you today giving you testimony of that because I am a priest and a prophet and a queen in the kingdom of God. And so are you. There's nothing that separates me from you except surrender. We all have choices. Sitting here today, we have a choice to make. What am I going to do with the pain? What will I believe about my stories? Or will I engage the work with the Holy Spirit? Ephesians 2 says, We have become his poetry, a recreated people that will fulfill the destiny he has given to each of us, for we are joined to Jesus. We are attached now. We're not fatherless. We're not orphans. We're not floundering. We are recreated. And you and I, we have a role to play. Nobody is you except you. That means you have something to offer. Our stories will be the tool that God will use to bring glory to the earth. You don't need to be ashamed anymore of your story. You don't need to be ashamed of what you did last night. It's a new day. Revelations 12, 11 says, we are saved by the blood of the lamb. Praise God for Jesus. But he's not working alone. By his grace, he's going to use you and me. The word of our testimony will draw people. What is your testimony? What has God done? What story has he redeemed? What is he working out in your life? We bear the image of God to the world. You and me. And so now we have to address the lies because that's what's keeping us stuck. What's keeping us stuck is between the ears. What I actually believe about myself, about God, and about others. And so Jesus has saved us. Ephesians 2, 8 says, for by grace you have been saved 
Oh, for the grace of God, he saved me. Through faith, this is not even a gift of your own. It's not from yourselves, it's a gift from God. So the fact that I even stand up here and have any faith of all, any faith at all is a gift from God. You can ask for the gift. Give me more faith. And then what happens is we continually become saved from ourselves. Sanctification. It is the beautiful work of God. And 2 Corinthians 4 says, therefore we do not lose heart. Don't quit. Don't stay stuck. Don't give up. Though outwardly we are wasting away, but inwardly we are being renewed day by day, day by day, day by day, story by story, story by story. You don't have to do your whole story today, by the way, all of it. That would be pretty scary. You're going to do it a process this side of heaven. Maybe in your 20s, you're going to tackle this, and that was tough. Your 30s, your 40s, your 50s, and you're going to keep going. You're not going to stop. And so I'm here today to tell you every war needs a plan. We need to know how to move forward to win. Proverbs 29 says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Today, if you do not have a plan, it will not go well. You must have a plan. And so I want to show you today how to move through the order, disorder, and reorder. And I want you to know that there are three parts to you. You are body, you are soul, and you are spirit. Your body and your soul is your humanness. We all have it. The spirit of God has a place inside waiting to be invited. You have to do that. Your human side needs to surrender to the spirit of God and say, come in. My soul and my body need healing. Mark 12, 30 says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, that's your emotions, all of your soul, all of your mind, and all of your strength, your body. The journey that God is calling us to will require our humanness. And it must be invaded by the Spirit of God. We are all three. So I want to start with you today at the nuts and bolts. I want to start with the body. And for sake of time, I know we started a little late, but I am going to go smoothly and quickly as I can. Your body. How many of you could tell me what is the most important organ of your body? Yell it. Heart, brain, okay, brain. The most important part of you in your body, the most important organ is your brain. Number one, how do you care for it? What do you eat? What do you do? How do you care for your brain? John Hopkins says the brain is a complex organ, listen to this, that controls your thoughts, your memory, your emotion, your touch, your motor skills, your vision, your breathing, your temperature, your hunger, and every process that regulates your body. Oh boy, the brain is a big deal. For simplicity, I will share three parts of the brain. First part is your thinking brain. It's where you have logic. You have thoughts there. The survival brain is where you face threats, and that part of your brain is meant to protect you. The third part is your, your awareness brain. It's where you begin to make sense of things. Your brain is wired to protect you. 
if it ever senses a threat to you, it will respond. This is your brain responding, not your mind. Your, your, your survival brain will kick in, and your thinking brain goes to the back. Keep in mind, your, your heart rate might quicken. You're, you might feel sweaty. You're, you might get panicked. You might have a panic attack. Your breathing will get shallow. You feel tightness in chest. And right now what's happening is you have some automatic thoughts and behaviors that are flooding your brain to say, there is a problem here. That problem is because your brain has sensed this pain before. Your brain won't protect you from something that you haven't already experienced. So remember the orphan? When she was five, whatever happened at five, if that isn't properly healed, when she's 25, the same scenario will cause her survival brain to kick in. And she'll say to herself, why did I do that? Why did I yell? at my mom like that? Why did I act like that? I don't want to be this person. Her brain is protecting her. The brain does not know yet that that little girl at five has been healed. So the brain is protecting. And that's powerful. Because there is so much trauma in the world that if your brain did not protect you and store memories and hide memories, you would implode. I work with people and their trauma is deep. And by the grace of God, they don't remember everything. It's a gift. When triggers come, triggers are anything that happens around you and you find yourself giving an exaggerated emotional response to it. You're just doing your thing and all of a sudden you're just like, ah! You yell at your kids. They're like, whoa, what happened to mom? Emotions are messengers. And you want to begin to ask, what are you here to tell me? What are you here to tell me? You're a part of me. I wouldn't be acting like that if I hadn't been hurt before. So what's the message that I'm believing? Triggers are a gift. They're letting us know there is work to be done. There is healing to be had here. That's why you're triggered. I shared with you a situation that I went through with my daughter. And a trigger for me would be while I'm working... I work on the phone or I work in person, and so my phone will be here, and I'll, I'll hear it buzz, or I'll see her name come up on the, on the screen. She's in high school. Something's going on, but I can't answer the phone. I'm working, and she's in a tough place. So my body starts to go into this panic mode. Fear overwhelms me. I can't get to the phone. I don't know what's going on, what's going to happen. That was a very big trigger for me. When she went off to college, you know, her phone would, I would see her name, and I'd be like, oh my gosh. Okay, is she okay? Is she okay? What's happening? I, I tried to get control. I felt powerless. I felt alone. But she's had so much change. So much change in her life. And she was doing so much better, but I still had the automatic response. I still would see her name, and you know what I'm saying? Do you, do you understand? Give me a nod. Yes. So what I had to learn to do is what I'm going to teach you. You've got to get your body calm first. Why? Because your brain is running the show. And so until you get your brain calm, your thinking brain is nowhere near you. 
okay? You're not gonna think rational. First thing you do is pause. The 90 second rule says this, it takes 90 seconds for the emotion to pass through you. It's not gonna stay forever. Let it roll. Do nothing, let it roll. When that 90 seconds goes through, then you breathe. Google breathing exercises, there's a ton. Why? Because it gets oxygen to your brain. Ground yourself, number three. Grounding is where you literally will practice when you're calm and not triggered. You put your feet on the ground and you'll say, okay, I feel my feet on the ground. I feel my toes, I feel my feet. Why do you do this? Because when you have a panic attack or you have something going on, you ground yourself. When your body and your brain starts to say, wait, you're wiggling your toes, you're telling me you you feel your toes, well, obviously you're not under attack. And your body starts to calm down. And when your body calms down, it's so beautiful because the thinking brain that was hiding comes forward. Now you can be logical again. So three questions to ask when you're triggered and that 90 seconds has passed. You say, okay, what do I sense in my body? Just be aware. What do I sense in my body when this is happening? What do I feel in my heart? What are the emotions I'm tending to? And what do I think in my mind? What are the thoughts that are rolling through me in this situation? Now let's move into the soul. The soul is where we think, our brain, where we feel our emotions and it's our choices. The soul holds your pain. The soul is the wounded part of you that needs redemption. And so we always start with our beliefs. What am I thinking in this situation? The orphan, the outcast, the widow, they've led us up until now, but now we have to name the lies that came with every story. 2 Corinthians 10 gives us a way to start. It says, we destroy arguments in every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive. Not one thought, every thought. Every story has its thoughts. This is what's ruling us. This is what's leading us. Remember what, and we make it obedient to Christ. Did I say that part? <laughs> Remember what Satan said in the beginning. He said, did God really say? Did God really say? And God is saying, yes, here's what I really said. And when you believe what God really said, you create new neural pathways in your brain. And you tell a new story 20 to 30 times, and guess what? Your brain starts to say, what it began to tell me about Bella, the work that I did with my daughter, I said, no, my daughter is free. My daughter belongs to God. Jesus, I give my daughter to you. You are her safe place. You take care of her every day, every day, every day. And I would see her on the phone now and I go, ah, it's Bella. It's done. The trigger is healed. And this is possible in the big and the small. This is the work of God. He wants to rewire our brains from fear to the safety of his love. Don't believe the lies. Don't believe the lies. John 14 gives us a little insight into God's heart. And he says, listen, listen, do not let your hearts be troubled. Don't let them. Don't. You got a kingdom to build. You got a job to do. I already conquered the world. I have a kingdom waiting, so you don't need to worry. I got gotcha. you. 
Don't let your hearts be troubled. Proverbs 3, 5 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Lean not on your own understanding. Like, I need that, like, tattooed on my forehead. You know, like, remember, girl, don't do what you think you should do. Luckily, I have, like, two Holy Spirits, my husband and the Lord. Both of these scriptures imply that we have a choice to make. You either let your heart be troubled or you don't. You either lean on your own understanding or you don't. It's a choice. And in it, suffering will not be optional. You're not getting through this without suffering. Why do you think Jesus chose the cross? Why didn't you say, well, you know, I'm going to fall down into a hole and you just bury me? You still would have been dead. I mean, when we suffer, we tend to say, why me? Why me? Why is this my story? I didn't want this story. Why not you? Why not? Why not you? I believe God is asking us today, can I trust you with your story? I know it's not what you wanted. I know you will suffered. But will you let me use it? Because God wants to write what comes next. You've got to believe he never intended for you to be abused. But he made a way that you would not have to go through it alone and that there would be a redemption that would bring about the glory of God on the earth. And God is not coming through a plant and he is not coming through the ocean. He's not coming through the sun. He is coming through us. And he's coming through your story, every broken part of it. And he's asking you, will you let me use it? If you're ready, you're going to have to seriously embrace this one. Feelings are true, but not all my thoughts are true. You felt a lot of things. If you were abused, if you were rejected, then you felt alone, and you felt rejected, and you felt unloved. It's absolutely the truth. But what do you believe become because of it? What do you believe because of that story? This is your superpower. This is where you and I get to say, I believed I was unlovable. Imagine if I would have believed that longer than I had. I would not be married to my incredible husband with my children, building this church and encouraging you. I just wouldn't be here. And neither would you. Let the disorder come. Let it come. Make a list of all the lies, all the beliefs you're holding on to, and say, okay, Lord, I am ready. Edith Egger, she entered Auschwitz at 16 the Nazi concentration camps. As a Holocaust survivor, still living today, she says this. My mama told me this. We don't know where we are going. We don't know what's going to happen. But no one can take away from you what you put in your own mind. I don't know if you need to be reminded. 
The story doesn't have to write your thoughts. You write it. You write it. You can't change the past, but you can change what you do with it. So we will challenge our thinking if it's not serving us well. We will change our thinking if it's not biblical. And we will replace every thought with truth. And how do we do this? We get still in the presence of God so he can reorder our lives. Is this hard? Well, if it were easy, everyone would be doing it. But no. Staying sick and staying stuck, that's hard. That's really hard. The consequences of an unhealed soul, that's hard. And I need to tell you today, for your children's sakes, for your marriage's sake, for our neighbors, we got to deal with this. we got to deal with our souls. And so today, I've created tools to help you, and I will run through them very quickly. Because today, Jesus is asking you and I all the same question. He's saying, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? If you do, then there is an order to embrace, a rhythm of life that you're going to invite the Holy Spirit into. The first is the soul work. You're going to write out a timeline from your birth until now. Name every harm and every loss. Step two, address the lies that came with the pain. For every wound, you write the lie because it's there. Three, realign your mind with the truth. Every lie must be replaced with truth or you will act it out. By the way, you are going to get all of this on a beautiful little paper, okay? In case those of you are scrambling your notes or taking pictures, I got you, I got you. You're going to meditate on the truth. Dr. Carolyn Leaf, 21 days or more, 63 days to create a new neural pathway in your brain. I'm telling you, it works. You take one thought, you write it down, 63 days, you're like, no, I am a child of God, I am loved, and I am fearless. 63 days from now, your brain will say, oh yeah, you are a girl that knows she's loved. I'm not saying you'll never get triggered, but I'm telling you, it does renew your mind. Journal, one of my favorite things to do when somebody says, I don't really know. I hear this a lot. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Okay, well, now you're going to know. You're going to take a journal, bring it with you for 24 hours. Every time you have a negative thought, write it down. How bad do you want to be free? Write it down. Take that little journal and say, every time I think a negative thought, I write it down. I'm just getting in touch to see what the theme of the enemy is and what God wants to redeem in my life. Next, we realize that the spirit who was invited into all that work, but the spirit is beckoning you and me attached to me. Attached to me. His only Goal in our life is to be intimate and to be one. So this is how we do this. We spend daily time in the word of God. These are tools that you're going to do day by day by day. You're building a foundation. It's not up for debate. If you want a new mind, you got to fill it with something besides Netflix. You got to fill it with something besides Instagram stories and reels. You've got to say, no, I have work to do. I'm going to be free. You can't trust a God you don't know. That's why you read the Bible. Because trust has been broken. You only reestablish trust when you know who to trust. Number two, a daily debated, dated devotional. This is my favorite because I believe that God speaks 
on the day. It has been crazy powerful in my life for 15 years. My favorite right now is New Morning Mercies by Paul Tripp. He is a kingdom builder, and he will shoot the gospel straight. Three, solitude and stillness. I use what's called the pause app. It's a white square with two little lines. You can do a lot of meditation, quiet, calming, get still, breathe, pray, declare the word of God over your life. Where you don't speak the word of God, Satan's going to come running over you. I will tell you this. I prayed 22 declarations over my daughter, Bella, one year straight. Today, she is every single one of those. Every single one. Everyone. We have to believe God. You cannot sit idly by if you have a child who is struggling, if you have a marriage that is failing. You have to change what you're thinking. You have to declare, no, my daughter is free. My husband is saved. My business is thriving. You've got to partner with the word of God. <clears throat> Number seven is so powerful. It's repentance. It speaks for itself. We all need a savior. Eight, read a book in an area you need to grow. Never go a day without learning. I am not altogether amazing but I have read a lot of books. And so some of it's stuck in me still. I created this tool for you. These are steps to freedom. If you have anxiety or fear and it just feels like, oh my gosh, it's crippling me and I just don't know where to start. Number one, get calm in your body. Number two, get curious with yourself. Those three questions I wrote and they're on the paper. Be a friend to your parts of you. Every story is a part of you. If you hate the story, you hate yourself. So get curious and then be compassionate towards yourself. Be kind and compassionate. This creates awareness. Just be aware. Man, I need to be healed. Kara, you can come up. Change your thinking. This is rewire and reframe your brain. Commune with God. Oh, go sit in the garden the intimate place with the Lord. Get still with the Lord. Confess. No, sorry, I skipped one. Communicate with others only, only when you're at rest. And breathe. Do a lot of breathing. Confess to God and others when necessary. And number eight, choose new habits to build your life. This is not about doing these things. This is about becoming the image of God to the world. And we do it by sitting with our Father. We do it by believing God and not the lies. You know, there's only two choices for us in our thoughts. Isaiah 30 says, I have set before you life and death. Choose life that you may live. The word of the Lord says, choose fear and you will die. Choose my love and you're going to live. Let's let love lead us. Let's let love write a new story on our hearts. And let's take action today. My friend is going to lead us in one of my favorite songs. Because we need to partner with God. And we need to activate this decision we're making. And there's no time like the present. If you are ready to say, Jesus, I need a new mind. 
I need a new mind. I've got stories that are wreaking havoc in my relationships, in my life, in my decisions, and everything that I'm doing in my life. No more. I commit to the process with you. It may not happen in a day or a week or a year, but I'm telling you, 20 years later, I'm not the same person. By the grace of God, he's given me faith to believe his word. So I'm going to turn and I'm going to stay here because I say, God, I want a new mind. And this is your call too. If this is resonating with you, you know you have some broken mindsets. Don't stay sitting in that chair. We activate our lives with obedience. We step forward. We say, yes, Lord, today is my day. I am ready for change to start today. All the tools will be given to you. You start here. You're not late. Today's your day. Let's enter into worship and surrender. You're not alone. We're here together. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com.